guys. Welcome to the first edition of Improper Inquisitions. And uh, this is really, uh, the format isn't set for this podcast yet, but initially what I would like it to be, uh, it would be me exploring a certain topic and then doing some background research, you know, trying to get as much um, information that is unbiased as I can to see if I still have the same outlook or if it changed for better or worse, right? We all think that everything we know is definitely the right answer. And uh, I've learned the hard way that that is definitely not the case in a lot of conversations with a lot of my friends who definitely have a more broader perspective than me. And um, really what drove me to kind of starting this is I realized that not you would like to think that you have a broad background, that you are worldly, that you, you know, you read, that you understand the world, uh, at least to some capacity. Uh, but there's a lot of unchecked biases and internal thoughts that we all have. And uh, that's all fine and good. But what was disturbing me was when I tried to explore these biases, when I tried to just ask harmless questions, and I, I really want to emphasize on the harmless questions here, because the reactions I got to asking some of these questions for my friends, like at a restaurant and them looking over their shoulder, them telling me to be quiet when a waitress is coming by, them, you know, just being generally uncomfortable. You know, that's not a feeling I want people to be in when they're talking to me. That's nobody wants that, uh, you know, and of course, if that goes for your friends, you know, if you meet new people at a party or something, throw that idea out of the window that you're going to be able to talk to them about something that maybe they uh, they know a little bit about just because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be a bigot. You don't want to at least them having that perspective of you because they don't have any other context. You know, the first time I talked to him, he asked me about this, like, how dare he, you know? And um, if I'm not going to ask people who I believe at least live through something or are very aware of something or, you know, tuned into a circle, if I can't ask them questions, if I can't even, you know, kind of, inquire a little bit more, even question their ideals a little bit more. You know, how can we truly get the right end? How can we get to the, the the truth nuggets? You know, we just live in bubbles in that scenario where we just ask the the safe questions all the time. But I really want to be asking the harder questions because, you know, I'm kind of in my mid-20s now and I'm realizing that there's a lot of things, a lot of thoughts that I've had when I was a teenager that haven't really changed. It's not a good sign for anybody, <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of people like this, you know, but, and, you know, to extreme cases, you can see it a lot in the U.S. where people are just kind of live in these feedback loops of the same thought process, whether it's right on the left, it's kind of always occurring. And um, that's not something that I want to be when I'm 30, 40, 50, I definitely want to always be improving and, and I feel like this is the best way to do so. And I'm putting myself a little bit at risk because, you know, there's always the chance that I could say something that people would perceive as, uh, I guess, insulting, you know, intolerant, could be called a bigot for a lot of these things. But that is not my intention. My intention is truly to gain a better perspective. And if I say something that you don't agree with, let me know. Let me know why and your background. I'd definitely be very interested in hearing it and, and broadening my own uh, perspective. So we're going to cut to the chase. 
And we're going to talk about the first topic. And uh, full disclosure, my friends told me, don't talk about this. If you want to have people listen to you and not think you're a bigot, this is probably not what you, one you should start with. And um, I decided to go with my with my second favorite topic. And they still told me, are you fucking stupid? Don't do that. So I'm going with my second topic. Uh, and it's um, it's it's something that I didn't think I believed. You know, this is what I learned. I didn't think I actually had these thoughts in my head, except when I sat back and I was looking for topics to discuss. And I kind of had these preconceived notions that I know are not necessarily correct, but I didn't know why they weren't correct. I couldn't prove it to myself that they weren't correct other than being able to look at outside people and having that external stimuli telling me that they're wrong, right? I accepted that they're wrong, but I can't convince myself that they're wrong. Does that, you know, I hope that makes sense. And I think it will be more clear as I talk about this. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. You know, I always believed as a young kid, women should not be police officers. And that could be due to me, you know, living my formative years in the Middle East, or it could be due to me being a traditional, you know, macho kind of Middle Eastern family, you know, could even be my mother sometimes, you know, she would mention stuff like this, and that could have definitely had an influence on me. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to try to diagnose myself on camera, but when I try to rationalize why women shouldn't be cops to myself, I could really only come to the point that women shouldn't be cops because they are weaker, correct? And I was, I asked myself, when, why does that matter? And I really had to kind of think about it. Why does that matter to me? Why, why would I want a cop to be stronger than me? And the only kind of idea I had was I really, men usually give each other the benefit of the doubt in terms of anything, just civilians talking to each other because we know that there's a chance any of the random men that you see in public can definitely like kick your ass. They can control you. They can, you know, you don't know. It's an unknown quantity, these men, right? Any man is capable of kicking another man's ass, no matter how big or small, right? We always have that back in our mind. That's always keeping us in check. And now add the suit, you know, the police officer uniform to that mix. And you can definitely even see it more than, okay, this man is not only that, but he is trained right? He has a gun. He has a billy club. If you're in the UK, you know, he, he has means to be able to beat me up even more. Correct. So you add another level to that of like, all right, I better respect who I'm talking to. You know, I better not say the wrong thing. And yeah, we, we see it definitely turning out in a field's physical altercation all the time, but I would, you know, I would think to myself, I was like, well, a woman would definitely have a little bit less of that fear. I would not fear a woman officer as much as I fear a male officer. And as a criminal, that can definitely make a significant adjustment in behavior. Correct? And you kind of think about this more and more, and then you think about it in terms of a nonviolent interaction for se, per se, right? It's heated, all right? I'm arguing about money with somebody else in the middle of the street. You know, a park, I got a parking ticket when I shouldn't. Just a nonviolent situation. 
I'll get loud, I'll get belligerent. A lot of people, you know, I'm sure a lot of you met people who get loud and belligerent all the time. And, um, you know, you then imagine the scenario that a male cop walks up and tells him to calm down. I would like to think that most men would heed that warning. You know, sometimes they don't and sometimes it goes out of control, right? But at least that male would bring a level of control. You know, he can bring that fear of retribution. I can still kick your ass, right? And a woman might come and she might not be able to have a control on the situation without escalating. Because there is there is no fear in that scenario. She will need to escalate it with a taser, with a gun, with a billy. She'll need to escalate to bring that person to understand that she is to be reckoned with. Because only words are not going to do it because this guy's being a dickhead. And that constant escalations, I would feel, you know, from, you know, maybe the first time it won't escalate to anything negative. You know, the second time, maybe it won't escalate to anything negative. But eventually, the constant escalations, something bad is going to happen. And that's kind of where I laid that idea to rest. I was like, yes, man cop, like male cops are better than we female cops because they can control the situation without the need of escalation. That was my hypothesis. That's how I decided that this was how it's going to be. And then I did a lot of research. I tried to keep the research as unbiased as possible. All right, full disclosure. I didn't, you know, we all know who I'm talking about. I didn't try to find any articles by people, by uh, people who had, you know, different colored hair, you know, and I'm not saying like they have blonde hair versus, no, I'm talking about the same head with multiple colors. You know, that's not the type of person I'm trying to listen to because they're obviously so far on one side, you know. And yeah, that might be bigoted, but from my own personal experience, I live in a college town. You know, I tried not to go to any of the left or the right. I tried to keep down the middle as much as possible. So I decided to really go with the Pew's Research Center, which, yes, I know it probably has some issues with it. And you're all going to let me know. But I found that they asked questions of current police officers that were very valid. Right. And it not only was it valid, it, they were very intuitive to the human nature of these police officers. I didn't use all of them. I only use and just I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm only going to talk about a few. But I found those few to be the most um, persuasive in changing my perception. Uh, first being was when they asked, you know, male and female officers, do you believe that you might, or you have to use force to bring down some people? All right. So are some people necessarily only going to be brought down by force? And it was kind of astounding. I think 65% of the women disagreed with that statement, which is which is great. You know, 65 women police officers did not think that violence was the only solution in dealing with, with some outlier people. They thought everybody could be dealt with in a nonviolent manner. While only 53% of the male cops thought that, you know, that was a little, that was the first kind of hint that, all right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that level of thinking as a man is why I see the situation as it is, right? Maybe because I'm a man, I see things in, in terms of who, you know, my dad is stronger than your dad. Like, that's kind of the level of thinking I was always on. And then I was kind of, all right, it kind of got me on the other side of it. 
So then I looked at another statistic. How many times or has a male or female officer ever used a firearm? And again, this is in the US for all the countries that don't have firearms, like police officers don't have firearms. 11% of the women said that they have used their firearm compared to 30% of men. Again, that could be a little bit skewed. You know, we could probably look at Southside Chicago's, you know, or Compton's or any of the troubled areas that mostly have disenfranchised people living there. But you could definitely see an uptick in male police officer enrollment to female, which might lead to more gun usage in those areas compared to the whole. But I would like to think that they would normalize these when they're finding out their their statistics. And even whatever, even if they didn't, 30% of males to 11% of females, that's still staggering. It's almost three times as much. That's ridiculous. It's really not, at this point, it's not even close. It's obviously three, like for every woman firing a gun, three men fired a gun. You know, maybe they're a little trigger happy. You know, combine that with the fact that they believe violence is the only, like more of them believe like violence is the only reason to bring a person down. And now you're starting to paint a picture. And lastly, and what was most interesting to me was this question that brought in the citizen's perspective. It was a question asked through the lens of the citizen. And it was asked about how often, you know, or if they were ever insulted as a police officer, disrespected, insulted, or anything like that, just treated badly by citizens. 70% of the men said, yes, they were. While 60% of women said, yes, they were. So women were not as disrespected as male officers in the street. And, um, you know, granted that number seems a bit high. I would never disrespect a police officer in the street. Um, but, you know, you could definitely understand when they would. You know, in large groups like protests or anything like that, you could definitely see a lot of insults being hurled as cop at cops, at, you know, a lot of frat boys, you know, all of these white privileged people always like to, you know, saying fuck the police or, you know, do something like that. You know, kids, teenagers, really not necessarily the cream of the crop as we're looking at human civilization, at least not yet. And you can kind of understand why the number is so high, but there's still a difference. There's still 10% difference there. You know, women are generally not insulted as police officers. So they're not looked at in an, as a negative light. And that could be an indication of the previous two statistics. You know, women police officers will not try to bring you down with violence as much as men. Women police officers will not shoot the gun as much as men. And, you know, this kind of as an idea, it brings it into perspective, right? Maybe I was looking at the job in a different light than it should have been. All right. Maybe a police officer isn't necessarily the line between chaos and order. You know, that's probably not the case in most situations. If I'm getting a ticket, that's not the case. It's not looking like if you don't give me a ticket, I'm going to drive 200 kilometers or, you know, 160 miles down the road. That's not going to happen if there was no fear of tickets. I'm still a reasonable man. I'm not going to kill myself. So we have to look at this job in a different light. I was looking at it as they were the last protectors 
you know, but they are peacekeepers. They are there to keep order, not necessarily create it. The order is already there. We're all kind of signed into a social contract. It's not necessarily the Wild West without police officers. Their peace is created. They're there to keep it. So this is a different light. So what we have to think about it more, and again, I don't mean any insult. I, any of the jobs I'm about to compare are very difficult. But when we look at the human nature, I would like to think of police officers now as more of kindergarten teachers rather than military personnel. Not saying that women shouldn't be in the military, that's a whole other discussion. But they're kindergarten teachers. They're trying to keep calm of, frankly, children. You know, if you look at most citizens out there, they're acting childish. Nobody's thinking straight. Everybody's reacting. You know, that's child behavior. And who's the best, most suited, most calm person to deal with this? Frankly, women, mothers, sisters, you know, those are the people who are just very conscious of being able to like, all right, I see where you're coming from. Relax. Let's talk this out. You know, a dad doesn't necessarily have the same reaction to that. And I know it's kind of fucked up to talk about a dad and a mother relationship in terms of police officers. But I'm talking about the sensibilities that a gender has over the other. You know, if you were to leave, if, you know, all right, this is probably going to be a little bit out of left field, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, if you have a child and you had to hire a babysitter, would you hire a woman or a man assuming that the woman would not kidnap the child because she can't have any on her own? You'd probably hire the woman because you know the guy is just not going to be as caring. You know, there's a reason why we always have this kind of, you know, the idea of, you know, a helpless dad who doesn't know how to take care of the children, who'll throw them up in the air and not care about their well-being because it's somewhat true. A father is not the caregiver in that sense. You know, he doesn't calm down. He doesn't deal with tantrums as well. He just gets mad. He escalates. So I actually did a, a 180 on this topic because if you really think about people who escalate, you know, think about your own life. You know, who were the kids who were, you know, always escalating things in class? You know, sometimes sure it's girls, but most of the time it's it's men. And uh, if we want to live in a world where it's more calm, you know, where you kind of can get a ticket. And even if a cop is racist, he won't shoot you out of fear because he doesn't see the world as a, like a war. It'd probably be a female that just give you the ticket and maybe, you know, she'll add in, a, you know, an extra fee or something if she's racist. But the racist guy would probably shoot you. You know, we've seen that happen a lot. There's a reason that that happens. You know, uh, I think we need the different sensibilities involved in this. And it's not just me, because, again, going back to the research, they found that the rate of fatal shootings is greatly reduced when a man is partnered up with a woman, because the woman just brings a different level of calmness into a situation that a man probably just wants to do rather than think right away. It's our genetic impulsion just to like, all right, let's react to this. And sometimes you definitely need that, but sometimes you don't. 
And I think that the best thing possible is not to have a hundred percent women police force, not to have a hundred percent male. I think it's the, the, the line is as it always should be, it should be probably be 50, 50. And yeah, I know a lot of the, you know, the husbands and a lot of the wives of these police officers are probably not, you know, you know, they're not chomping at the idea of their, their significant other always partnered up with, you know, a, a partner of the opposite sex. Cause you know, you know, small enclosure, a lot of time spent together, you know, things happen, but I feel like, you know, the professionals don't worry about it too much, but also I feel like they will bring each other a level of sensibility, a level of, uh, they can work off of each other. You know, you have the emotion, right? You have the, the reactionary, which ironically is the male aspect in this context. And then you also have the logic of just like, all right, well, what's actually happening here? Which would in this situation be the woman, which kind of I found ironic when I was researching this because we always think women are definitely more emotional. But I feel like in, in high stress situation where it's literally life and death, I found at least in, the, in what I was reading. And again, I could be wrong and I would definitely want to be corrected on this. But the men try tra- like reacted a lot more quicker than females. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, you know, you could say women are more scared or whatever. I don't believe that. I believe they're both in the same job. Everybody has the same fears. But it was more the level of thought was given more in terms of women rather than males. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening into the first edition of Improper Inquisition. Please leave a like, a comment, a subscription. It goes a long way for a fledgling podcast such as this and i'm really looking forward to exploring more ideas with you guys